The following program is a presentation of Grand Slam Ministries. again everybody welcome to this week's edition of the dan scott show can you believe this is episode 40 four zero january the 8th of this year when we started seems on one hand like so long ago and on the other hand it seems like it was just yesterday but here we are episode 40 presented by grand slam ministries i am dan scott and we are very happy to have you with us Got a good show for you today. You know, I believe that every show we put out is a good one, not because of me, but because of the guests that we have. And this one, kind of special to me for a a little different reason, because our guest today, Scott Klein, is going to be talking about the legacy of his grandfather. And my grandfather, who passed away when I was 11 years old, the first grandparent I lost, is the one who gave me my love for the game of baseball, among other things. And he is the one, although I had him for the shortest amount of time, the one that I still to this day feel the closest connection to. Well, Scott Klein had his grandfather, Neb, until he was 29 years old. And Neb Klein's life and legacy is what we are going to be talking about with Scott Klein today. Some of you know that name if you are in the upstate of South Carolina. For the rest of you, sit back and enjoy what is a fantastic interview, and it is a great example of the kind of legacy that a humble, God-centered life can lead, even for generations to come after you have passed away. That is the legacy of Neb Klein. Also, at the end of the show today, we have a major announcement. So please, after the interview, make sure you stay tuned. Some exciting news to pass along to you. And if you've been paying attention, you probably have a pretty good idea of where it's going. But this is radio. i got to make you wait until the end. When we come back, our interview with Scott Klein. But first, this from Grand Slam Ministries. Teenage boys and young men today are in crisis. Statistics show that a home without a father or male role model present is the single biggest indicator of poverty, behavior issues, drug and alcohol abuse, criminal activity, and yes, imprisonment. At Grand Slam Ministries, one of our core missions is developing a mentorship program to teach boys how to become strong Christian men and then teach those men to be the biblical husbands, fathers, and church and community leaders the Bible calls us to be. We need your prayers. We need your ideas, and we need your support. Visit our website, grandslamministries.org, to find out more about our mentorship mission and prayerfully consider how you may be able to assist us. Again, that website is grandslamministries.org. Follow us on social media. Search Grand Slam Ministries on Facebook and Grand Slam for God on Twitter. And don't forget Dan's personal and public figure sites on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You're listening to The Dan Scott Show, presented by Grand Slam Ministries. All right, let's get this thing rolling. Episode 40 of The Dan Scott Show. Just a reminder that your one-stop shop to find out everything about what we do, all 13 of our affiliates, the archives, Grand Slam Ministries, danscottshow.org is where you need to go, and it's all there, including uh, contact information, ways you can donate to Grand Slam Ministries, which we hope you will do, but danscottshow.org is where you need to go to find out everything you need to know about what we are doing and who we are and to access our archives. Or you can just go to your favorite podcast site and uh, type in Dan Scott Show in the search and it'll bring it up and everything that we've done 
on the radio show is accessible from your favorite podcast site. All right, let's jump into this. Uh, Scott Klein uh, and his brother run Klein Hose and Hydraulics in Greenville, South Carolina. Doesn't sound like much until you hear the story of how the business got started back in 1948 by Scott's grandfather, Neb Klein. Um, The legacy of Neb Klein is one that is still impacting people some 20-plus years after his death, up to and including a church that is still functioning on the island of St. Vincent, which is a remarkable story that you're going to hear during the course of this interview. Uh, The book that was written about Neb Klein shortly before his death is called Making the Best of It. It was written by an author named Don Kirkland. And when we opened the conversation with Scott Klein, we were talking about the fact that his grandfather had to be talked into having this book written about him. Here's the interview. Absolutely. And, and I'm certainly one of those ones that's very grateful for happening as well, because my grandfather was, uh, to me, he was one of the ones that you read about in the Bible that he doesn't tell you what's going on. He's not braggadocious about things that would happen, things that would come along. And he'd say, hey, we got this event we're going on that we need to go to. And we'd have no idea what it was for. We would just go show up. And then it turns out he had he had made a donation that God had led him to do, or he had done some different thing that we had no idea. And uh, he never really would tell us. So he, he didn't walk around talking about the things that he did. He did it silent behind the doors when he talked to God about what he was supposed to do. So an incredible man that, that I was able to watch and live for many, many years of my life prior to his passing in uh, 02. And that's the reason that we're doing this interview, because it's it's a legacy that he started that has, has been passed on, and, and now your generation is keeping not just the family business alive, but the biblical principles alive as well. But the the hook of the story, quite honestly, is you might not be here sitting here talking to me today if it wasn't for Connie Maxwell Children's Home down in Greenville or in Greenwood, South Carolina, an orphanage that your grandfather ended up living in for, I believe it was eight years uh, in the formative years of his life before he got into his late teens. I asked you this when we went to lunch the other day. It, it's not a stretch to say, it, had it not been for Connie Maxwell, you might not be sitting here today. Oh, I 100% agree with that, Dan. There, there's no doubt that uh, the family that my grandfather was able to build and um, you know where he actually met my grandmother and all the other things, you know, had he not gone to Connie Maxwell and Connie Maxwell not have taken him in, I, I don't know where he would have been. He could have passed away as a, you know, as I mentioned to you, his grandparents passed or his parents passed away from the flu and he could have certainly gotten caught up in that. His family fell into poverty heavily after that because of that flu epidemic that killed both of his parents. And uh, Connie Maxwell was an absolute shining light. And anytime I ever talked to my grandfather about Connie Maxwell, it would light his eyes up and light, and light him up because he knew how much of a formidable part that played in his life. And for people who don't know, that that is a, a children's home that has been in operation for well over 100 years here in the state of South Carolina. And, and in fact, it had been probably open for maybe 25 or 30 years before your grandfather found himself there uh, shortly after the, uh, the Spanish flu epidemic of, of or pandemic, rather, of, of 1918. Uh, so that's how long that place has been there. And still doing a great, phenomenal job now of operation. We still, we as a company still continue to contribute and, 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 and give to that uh, organization each year. We do a lot of Easter baskets and other things down there. And just to see what they still continue to do, uh, it brings tears to my eyes to seeing that there, there actually are places that still exist that can help children that are orphans. You know, you, you think a lot of times that the orphanage was only way back in the day. That doesn't exist now because we live in too much of a technological age that that doesn't, that doesn't happen. But it happens a lot more common, more frequently than we can believe. Yeah, and, and just what my wife and I found out a number of years ago through her work in the school system uh, – whether it's kids who are, are living in an orphanage or, or you know, whatever their, their home situation may be, we live in the most affluent country in the world, and yet there are children who leave school on Friday and don't eat again until they come back on Monday. 
and, and it just goes to point out it, it's something that's been an issue in this country for many, many years. It's not something new, but unfortunately, we've not been able to eradicate it. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I wish there was a a particular thing that we could do to eradicate because it is sad that you do have a lot of students that uh, you just don't know. You know, you never know what's going on behind somebody else's closed doors. And, you know, for your wife to have an inside view of it, um, she probably would see some of those kids and didn't realize that they were struggling when they would get home. It's sad. So, Scott, how would you describe your grandfather? Oh, wow. That's a, a, a meek true gentleman in every effect of the word that you could think of back in the day. I mean, he wore a suit every day to work. He was always dressed to the nines as far as, uh, you know, that's the way he came to work. Now, whether he was in the back pushing a broom or he was up front dealing with a vendor or a customer, he would have his tie. I would always be, I'd see, he'd come and work on our counter a lot. He loved to work on our counter and interact with our customers that would come in. He'd tuck his tie inside his shirt and uh, start working with the guys and grabbing stuff off of him. But he was, a, he was a gentle giant in the sense of he was a very, very well-respected man, but just an incredible, incredible um, witness for me to learn how to actually be a man of God. And, and I, I will never take away those times, and I treasure them. He and I, there used to be an old restaurant in Greenville uh, called Gene's Restaurant, and it was right across the street from our company. And so he and I every day would ride to lunch. Now, I say ride, man. This is a block away. We could have walked over there with no problem. But he and I rode every day over there to go eat lunch. Uh, when I started working there when I was 11 years old, those are the things that I treasure most of all of having a lot of that time and spending with him and being able to glean life lessons from him at a very early age. And uh, I, you know, I always wish I talked to him a lot, even though he's not here. Uh, one of the truest statements my grandfather always said that my brother and I say to each other almost daily is you're never set in business. Either customers are going to leave you, vendors are going to leave you, you're going to have, you know, employees or coworkers or something like that. So that was one of the truest statements that whenever something happens, and it happens daily, that my brother and I say that to each other. When you're 11 years old and you're hanging out with your grandfather, you're just hanging out with your grandfather. And, and, and you don't realize that you are picking up on, on these little life lessons. How long did it take you to kind of get the idea that yeah this guy's special and and not special in just everybody's grandfather is special to them but but there's something about this man that I need to be paying particular attention to because he's got it all together how old were you when when that started to click um as you know most men usually don't get their formal their, their frontal <laughs> cortex done for a while so it was in my early 20s uh before I started realizing that and then I was at the age of, uh, at the time my grandfather passed, I was uh, 29 years old. So as you can imagine, that all came flooded back then. You know, I don't know why it is, Dan. A lot of times in life, we don't seem to realize the great things we had until they're gone. Mm -hmm. And I certainly realized that with my grandfather after his passing. There's so many things I wished I would have asked him when I had him here. Um, but he was just, uh, you know, when I started noticing how many people around him and how he was just a very, like I said, meek is one of the greatest things. I think meek and strength at the same time that um, he was one of those ones kind of like an EF Hutton. He didn't talk a lot. He didn't light up a room when he came in, but when he spoke, people listened. And I, I took notice of that and started myself trying to listen a lot better, but you're right. Probably about the age, uh, my early twenties is before, before I started realizing, all right, I need to, I need to get a notebook out for this. And, and along with that, at some juncture, you had to make the decision that you wanted to carry on in the family business because, in, in again, reading the book, uh, there were uh, a number of, of children who were involved, and not everybody wanted to continue in the family business. They all went, uh, several of them went about doing different things, but you and your brother decided that you wanted to carry on the family business. What went into that decision, and and, and then how did you? go about, I guess, discovering and and trying to build off of the foundation that your grandfather laid? Um, well, that that's, it's one of those things, like you mentioned, we, I was here when I was early, when I was 11 years old. And of course, at 11, you don't really know. You're just cleaning curbs and, and checking boxes and doing other things. As life started getting a little bit faster for me and went off to college, um, I uh, was working at another, I was working for Greenville Tech as a truck driver trainer. They uh, hired me or offered a job to me, 
But God had laid on my heart that I wasn't supposed to do that. Although it sounded great, I was making double the money and only worked four days a week instead of five. God had a different plan. And at the time, I, I, I was trying to follow his spirit where he was leading. And, and it led me to where we need to continue and stay in the business with my grandfather of where we were going at about this time frame in the uh, early uh, late 90s, 98. We actually sold one of our larger divisions. And at that point, my grandfather and my father and my uncle at that point kind of retired. And so my brother and I uh, partnered with my grandfather and we ended up continuing Klein Hose after that, which was the only part of the family business that was left. Uh, along with another driveline division, a small division. But yeah, it was, that was one of the ones that I said, you know what, God, it just, I, I can't give you an answer really, Dan, other than, than God's Holy Spirit was directing me that this is what I needed to do. I didn't know what that was going to be. And, and at that time, my walk with Christ was not nearly as strong as what it is today and what it should have been then. I wished I would have where I was then. I wish I was now or where I am now, I wish I was then. And so th there really wasn't a true, one of those monumental moments that said, all right, this is what you got to do. We're visiting with Scott Klein on this week's edition of the Dan Scott Show from uh, Klein Hosen Hydraulics in Greenville, South Carolina. And, and we're talking about the legacy of his grandfather, Neb Klein, who started the business out of the trunk of a car in 1948 and built it into a multi-million dollar uh, business. Uh, do I use the word empire? I, I guess if you, I, I guess if you're if if you're a multi-million dollar business in one sense or another, it's an empire. I, I, I'd say your grandfather probably wouldn't have looked at it that way. Absolutely not, Dan. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing when you said that. I said he would have never. He would have absolutely shied away from empire word. <laughs> but the business continues to to go strong in its current form, and and Scott is uh, and his brother are running the business now. Uh, in Greenville. Um, and, and the reason that we're doing this is, is because of the legacy uh, of Neb Klein and just pointing out, we, we can't often see these things. And you, you kind of referenced it a moment ago uh, about your life to a certain degree, but we can't see these things until hindsight, what God's plan is and how God has directed our paths and you know your grandfather when when his parents both died from from the uh, spanish uh, flu pandemic in in, uh, in and around 1918 and, and the family is kind of split uh, of the five children and three of them including him end up at connie maxwell he has no idea what his future holds but we know that God does, and God was putting him in places, starting with Connie Maxwell and getting him aligned with people that were going to play roles in his life and getting him to where ultimately he ended up here with this company in Greenville. But you can't see that until you look back, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's a difficult, and grandfather, my granddad probably would say the same thing, you know, and Dan, I think you would say the same thing just as I would, you know. Where would I, had I thought that I'd be where I am now, multiple years ago, I, I can't definitively tell you uh, yes, but I can tell you that God had a plan, just like he does for all of us. And sometimes uh, we don't listen to the Holy Spirit of what we need to do and listen to God's direction. And guess what? We find ourselves either in a dead end or a, 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 a bad area that we need to turn around and get out of. But um, yeah, I, I doubt my grandfather, when he was in the orphanage and in the back working in the fields that he used to tell me about a lot that I don't think he probably thought that he was going to own a business in Greenville, South Carolina at any time. And the other thing that, that came to mind as, as I was reading the book and as you and I are, are talking here is there's no accident where he ended up because he, he could have gone to, even in that day and age, any of number of places been with other family members or, you know, maybe another kind of orphanage or something. But God, through his providence, placed him at Connie Maxwell Children's Home, a place where not only was he going to, to be taken care of physically, but he was also going to get the spiritual component to his life that became such the bedrock of everything he would do moving forward. How often did he Absolutely. talk? How often did he talk about that? 
he, he again he was a he was a gentle giant a lot of times he would he would answer the questions that you would have but you know it was, it was rare that you could get him to just kind of talk about connie maxwell a lot of times it would work out if we would have an event at connie maxwell that we were going back to a dedication or something and so he would kind of open up a little bit more about it then and and he just talked about the loving atmosphere that he received in connie maxwell you know he he thought he had it better than anybody else, Dan. I mean, he would look outside and, and he would think that, you know what? I, I am at the pinnacle of what I could be. He used, yes, my mother's not a lot, I'm not here. My father's not here. But this is an unbelievable atmosphere. And like you said, it shaped him. And uh, just the different people he had in his life. You know, he mentioned some of them in the book about different ones that are there that played a role. Um, have, have It's, it's in a deep, deep love for Christ of where he was is what he learned while he was there. And he also, you know, that he kind of learned on the business side as well. I think you probably read in the book as well. You know, he started selling, uh, he started catching rabbits and selling rabbits and a lot of other stuff. So I, I guess the business acumen must've started at an early time at Connie Maxwell. I, I was just going to go there because he showed those entrepreneur skills early on by, by developing the, the system to trap rabbits and, and, and sell them to the people at Connie Maxwell, the place where he was staying. I mean, come on, who who does that? And, and we're talking about a, 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 a kid in his in his teens, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And so that was, but you know, like I mentioned, you could never have him say anything about Connie Maxwell. There was never a negative word ever from Connie Maxwell. Um, you know, one of the things I read in the story that he never shared with us, I think you you read it as well, is about him uh, having to cut a a rick of wood in my mind, I'm trying to think of what a rick of wood is. And I don't really know, but obviously he said he had to do that every morning before school or he didn't get breakfast. Well, he was a small tot. It wasn't a toddler, but he was a young teen at that time. And he didn't have the, the fortitude to be able to cut a rick of wood. So he, he didn't eat breakfast much. And, you know, most, if, if you flip that in today's society, I mean, that would be child abuse. Uh, but to where it was, it taught him a work ethic. And you know what? Nothing is given to you. You have to go out and earn it. And uh, I think that was something that definitely he would he would attest to today if he was still here and was able to have a conversation with us. Yeah, I also remember reading about that story that uh, his sister worked in the kitchen and every so often would slip him a little something to make sure that he didn't starve. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. sir. So, it, again, it, you had the work ethic, but it still comes down to sometimes maybe not what you know, but who you know and, and yes, having sir. contacts in the right places. <laughs> It certainly doesn't hurt to have a friend in the kitchen, but it really doesn't hurt when you have a sibling in the kitchen. Yeah, amen to that. Amen to that. Uh, visiting with Scott Klein here on this week's edition of the uh, of the Dan Scott Show, talking about the legacy of his grandfather, uh, Neb Klein. We, we could just go chapter by chapter in, in the book and talk about all of his experiences and the different businesses and, and the the all the things that he tried before he settled on this in 1948, but, but he ends up back in Greenville and establishes the business. But, and I guess it's like any business, it was 10 years or more, if I remember correctly, before he really felt like everything solidified that it, it was a, almost a day-to-day existence for the first 10 years of, uh, Klein, uh, the Klein business there but he was able to persevere through it. Absolutely. You know, a lot of times we would talk about that and, you know, sometimes in business, you got to throw a lot of stuff at a dartboard to see what actually either hits the dartboard. Occasionally, very rarely you hit a bullseye that ends up being a phenomenal thing that really kind of catapults you over. But granddad would say that a lot of the things, you know, um, it took selling oil, selling nuts and bolts and selling other things to make the whole work. And so it did take him, like you stated, quite a while to finally get his foothold in there. And uh, he, you know, he was blessed to have a lot of good friends along the way, as you mentioned in the book, you know, about him sharing an office with another gentleman that kind of tag teamed it to make it work. And um, but it, it did take a while before he finally was able to 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 make something or find the right niche. You know, I think that's the way everybody is in business. He had a lot of family members on my grandmother's side that would give him options and that's uh you know kind of how he got in the hose business and how he got in the driveline business is that they said hey we have this product we can sell it and my grandfather being the just the thought hey i can make this happen and he would take it on not knowing and completely trusting that god was going to lead the way that hey this may not work trial and error yeah and and, 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 and faith right absolutely absolutely more faith than probably trial and error i'm sure he thought that at those times 
th- this area was known for years for the textile industry, and, and we know that that's pretty much gone by the wayside now, but you, you drive anywhere in the state of South Carolina and you still see the old mill villages and still see some of the old textile buildings that, that used to be in play. And it was the textile industry that really took your grandfather's business to another level. Absolutely. You know, a lot of times we don't, you know, in business, you look back and kind of see your surroundings of what really helped you solidify where you were in Greenville being the textile capital of the world that it was. Um, you know, a lot of them were birthed out of here or moved here just because of, of, of a lot of opportunity. And so he took advantage. Of, I wouldn't say he took advantage of it. He just, he rode the wave, you know, the wave came through and he started riding it and they had great success. And then that kind of parlayed into a little bit more into the uh, paper mill industry, which is kind of where the, the pinnacle of where the company had gotten to a, a record number had done very well. And that was an industry that he probably would have never told you he was going to get into. Um, but God led him into that industry and gave them a great, option to cover a lot of the paper mills across the U.S. I remember working in the shipping department that, you know, I would see these different names of everywhere they would go. And who would have thought that out of Greenville, South Carolina, we'd be shipping stuff all the way across the, the country to Seattle, Washington and other places in Portland. And, and um, so it was, it was for me, now a lot had happened obviously by the time I got there, Dan. So right. I mean, I, the, uh, but it was, inter- but you're right. The textile business is what solidified the great opportunities here in Greenville. And, and what it did is give your grandfather the opportunity to expand on the type of person that he already was. He, he talked in, in the book about he, he was faithful when it came to tithing at church. He, he said, you know, it may not have been much, but he did it. But as the business grew, he didn't hoard. He didn't say, well, you know, I've worked all this time and we're going to keep all this money. His, his philanthropic vent, ventures expanded and you can look around colleges and universities here in the upstate of South Carolina today. And his name is all over everything at North Greenville university and, and other places, not to mention Connie Maxwell, like we talked about, he looked at the business success as an opportunity, maybe not even an opportunity as a privilege to be able to further God's kingdom by continuing to give back and give back sometimes in very large amounts. Absolutely. And you're, you're spot on with that. And that grand, he did a great job of instilling in us that the money is not ours. It's, it's God's. What we do with it is directed by him and, and he should be our first source where we go to determine where we spend the money and what we do with it. He lived a very, very modest life. Um, they didn't live in a palatial house with all kind of the newest and greatest things ever, ever that could exist. And he view it as an opportunity that when, uh, you know, when, um, they were able to help North Greenville. There was an op- at that point, North Greenville was at a point that they were close to closing, as he stated in the book, and granddad helped it. Now, do you think he ever told us that? No. He just said, well, we helped North Greenville out. They need a little bit of help. And that would be the extent of what he would tell us. But he firmly viewed it when he finally made the opportunity and had success in business that he absolutely gave all of it to God, the credit to God, and that it was his. And what he did with it was where he was led to do. And that's exactly what he did throughout his life until his past. One of the uh, charitable ventures that he took on is something that I was actually able to follow up on uh, after reading the book, uh, because there's a chapter in there, chapter five, called Precious People Graciously Sent, and it tells the story of being on a vacation cruise uh, with his wife, Martha, in the Caribbean era, which I'm sure is, is not something that your grandfather did a lot based on, based on the type of, of uh, work ethic and person we're talking about here. But again, I think it's God directing him into an area that he was going to find a need that he could meet and finding out that there was a new congregation of Christians on the Island of St. Vincent that had broken away from a church because the church they were in at the time, some of its members were practicing uh, non-Christian beliefs and it was causing trouble. So they decided to break away so they could worship God in the way that the Bible tells us to. The only problem is they didn't have a building to do it in. Somehow your grandfather found out about it and 
next thing you know, he's writing them a check for the building materials so they can build the church that is still standing today and is still being worshipped in the fundamental Bible church on the island of St. Vincent. I mean, that that's just an incredible story, again, of God directing your grandfather, just like he directs all of us in places. We have no idea. As far as he knew, he was just going on a Caribbean cruise, a rare vacation, but God was taking him to a place where he was going to find out about a need that he specifically could meet. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's, it's the biblical story in, in true revelation today, right? I mean, there's so many times in the stories of people didn't know why they were going to particular places and then God would use them to fulfill what his, what his uh, will is. And I think exactly what he did that with my grandfather, he had no idea that he, he was going to end up in St. Vincent and end up helping this church to be able to come to what it is today. And he would never view it that way. He'd just say, you know what? Lord laid it on my heart. That's what I was supposed to do. And that's what I did. And that would be all he would tell you. I, honestly, a lot of this, a lot of that, when I was reading back through the book, getting in preparation for the, our, our call today, he never really said a lot about that, Dan. He didn't talk a lot about that church at all. And so I didn't really know much about the story until I reread it again, because it, that was something he just, you know, we we're sitting around a dinner table. That's not something that crops up. And so that, again, tells you the kind of man that he was. Yeah, he, and, and he and, and your grandmother actually made a trip down there after the church was built to, to meet the people. They had never met the people that they gave these money that gave this money to. They just gave it to them on faith. They made the trip down there, had a, a wonderful one-time meeting with them, stayed in touch via letter. This was in the days before the Internet, before email <laughs> and all of this stuff. But that was the only time that they ever met. And, and it just goes, again, to, to show you that if you're open to the leading of the Holy Spirit, God will point you in places that you have no idea what's coming. And your grandfather, just on the, the word of somebody else, wrote a check to buy the building materials for a church that he had never been to, people he'd never met, and was rewarded by what's happened with that church on the island of St. Vincent that is still going today. Absolutely. And you think about that, about how that transpired, Dan, and you would think if he would have told any of his close friends or his family that, hey, I'm getting ready to do this, as you can imagine, are you crazy? I mean, kind of like, what are you doing? I mean, you've never met these people. You happen to be on. Don't let the emotions get the best of you. But the beautiful part of it, my grandfather had an absolute relationship with God and Christ. And that proved out in his decision making so many times over and over and over God just didn't show up once because he was in a bad spot. My grandfather was very faithful in, in learning the Bible and could quote many, many scriptures. But not only did he have a head knowledge, he had an unbelievable heart knowledge of where God wanted him to go. And it's like all of us. That relationship is what we are built for. And he absolutely showed that evidence in so many things of his life, not in his business life, but in his personal life and everything that he did. This wasn't a just one-time God moment, you know, somebody, oh, I won the lottery. God showed, oh, no, that's probably not where God showed you. But what you do with in that relationship that you have with Christ of how he leads you and where you're supposed to be was absolutely manifested itself so many times over and over. I could talk for the rest of the day of the many things that happened that would show you that relationship with him and how that made an incredible impression on me as a young man and realizing at the time, you know what? I'm not where I'm supposed to be, and so uh, yeah. But it, it, it was an incredible story about the, about St. Vincent and how it went around. That's for sure. Well, you know, be, being a little bit of the, the the journalist that I am, or at least I used to be, I, I wanted to see if the church was still up and going. So I I, I did what all good journalists wow. do. I went to Facebook, and uh, sure enough, they've got <laughs> they've got a Facebook page, and I, I sent them a message, and, and the current pastor messaged me back and had heard the stories of your grandfather, but wasn't very familiar with all of the details. So I took pictures of each individual page of the chapter in the book and sent it to them. And, and, wow. and, th and this was his response. He said, this is so beautiful. My wife and I got quite emotional reading this. We appreciate you taking the time to take the photos out of the book and share with us. Also, we are thrilled to say that we are still that church on the other side of the island. 
Wow. That's incredible, Dan. I, I, for you to do that and be able to get a response, I have chills on me now thinking about that, that when my grandfather gave it, there was no accolades that he wanted from that. But I can see him smiling now from ear to ear that they don't even know who he is. But yet that church is still continuing to bring Christ to others in St. Vincent. Uh, otherwise would have never happened uh, had God not laid that upon his heart. You just never know the impact that you're going to have on people. And you never know when those opportunities are going to come. And quite honestly, one of the things I've learned sometimes the hard way uh, over my 56 years on this earth so far, Scott, is that sometimes you have an impact on people, good or bad, without realizing it, just with normal everyday reactions. And, And that's why I try very, very hard now to listen to somebody if they ask me a question. If any young broadcaster comes along and, and wants advice, you know, there were people who helped me. I try to, to do the best I can to, to pay that back a little bit. And I, I just think of stories like this. I mean, your, your grandfather did that and had no idea what that legacy was going to be. And 30 plus years later, that church is still going strong down in St. Vincent. He had no idea of knowing that. He was just following what God wanted him to do in that moment. And look what happened. <laughs> yeah. With God, all things are, all things are possible. Correct. And and yeah. that was, you know, and you straight great at what you said. I was thinking back a lot of times, you know, so many people talk about, do you listen to something or do you hear it or, do you, or, or which one? And so, you know, hearing is obviously unintentional and listening is actually doing something intentional. And my grandfather, just like you stated, listen, he had so many people in his life that poured into him that he would make mention of these names when, when he and I would be together. And of course, I wouldn't know who any of them were. Um, they, he may still have been friends with them, but he could not talk enough about how many people God had placed in his life, not only placed in his life, man, but placed in his life when he needed them. You know, it might be that somebody, uh, there's a guy in my C12 group that used to state a lot of times, Scott, you just need to be the chain and the link in someone's chain. You don't have to be the front to the end of the chain. You just have to be the link when you need them. And that was so true of my grandfather in so many things that he did. He was a link in someone's chain to help them get to the next level. Tell me, even today, and and your grandfather, you said he passed in 2002. When this book came out in 2001, he was 88 years old. So he lived a very, very long, fruitful life. He's been gone for 21 years or so now. Even today, though, do you still run across people who, who remember him and whose lives that he impacted one way or the other? Absolutely. And, and this is very fresh on my mind. We, we had a gentleman here in our office named Gerald Johnson that was here for many, many years and went to a local Bible college here named Holmes Bible College. And he told the story of uh, Gerald passed away. Uh, I was able to go visit with him, not this past Sunday, but Sunday prior. And he passed away last Tuesday and his funeral was this past weekend. And during the funeral service, um, the granddaughters uh, were able to get up and have conversation. And they talked about my grandfather to the point it brought tears to me about what he did for that man's life. He met him at the time and brought him into the office and brought him there and and was able to help him not only give him a job and sustain it, but he worked here at the office for 43 years, Dan. He was here that long of a time. And my grandfather impression, I mean, not only through Gerald, but through all of his families, all the way down to his great grandchildren that I had the opportunity to meet they could not stop talking about what Mr. Klein had done for them in their life. And, you know, that to me just speaks volumes. You know what? We're here for a very, very, very short period of time. But what we do in the short period of time we're here to honor God is something that will last forever. And here it is for her and Gerald. It was three generations that they'd gone through. And it was just numerous stories that they talked about how my grandfather had helped them and, and, was able to get them a, help them to get a house and some other things that my grandfather would never have said to us, but Gerald told me the story, and so that's uh, so that was very fresh in my mind to be able to share that today, is because we did just have his funeral this past Sunday. Great man, and not only that though, Dan, he poured into my brother and I because when we were little runts running around here, Gerald was the one that was the store manager, so he was the one that was in charge of having to keep up with us. So I, <laughs> I felt bad for him, I'm sure, when I was in those early days, and he talked about that. But I could not have had another godly man in my life and Gerald Johnson to show me 
how to live, how to treat others and how to work in a business. But he got a lot of that from my grandfather. Another story as we, we start to head towards wrap up mode here, uh, that, that I would love for you to share out of the book. If you can, is the story of the young lady and the $300. Oh my, I think this happened more than one time, Dan. Um, my grandfather, a lot of times, a lot of coworkers that would come on board with him, you know, they would be in financial issues and he would find out about it. I don't know how he found out about it, but he would find out about it. And, and, and as you mentioned, this young lady that was there, you know, he was able to go out and go buy a vehicle from her or for her and give it to her. And she paid him back. If I remember right, uh, I think it was $5 a pay period or $5 a week to pay it back. So obviously that took quite a time to pay back a $300 period. But at the end of the time, he gave her every $5 that she gave him back and gave it back to her after she had paid the car off. And I heard my grandfather doing this more than once. So this would not be the only time that it happened. And what an unbelievable testament of serving your fellow person. And uh, you're right. And you may have some more recollection of the story, but that's what it remember, reminds me of. Because I did have some. It wasn't my grandfather who told me that story. It very well could have been Gerald that told me that story. Mm -hmm. he, he didn't come out and tell me that until I read the book. I was able to ask him after we read the book. But again, he did not share that with us. Yeah, I, I believe, and I'm going off memory now, but I believe when she got married, he gave yes. he, he gave her an envelope that had $300 in $5 bills. And it's the actual $5 bills that she had paid him every week to pay off that car that, that he gave. And it was that, a night, it was a 19, is, it was, it was yes, a 1969 sir. vehicle. And, and th this was sometime in the mid 1970s. And, uh, he gave her that envelope back as a wedding present. Yes, sir. Now that, that is correct. Now I do remember that. Yeah. I mean, what an, an incredible way of sharing God's love with somebody, meeting them when they need a need. You know, we used to always teach that in our days a lot, you know, the best way to be able to show Christ in somebody is to meet a need. And he met a need with numerous people that he came in contact with. Um, you know, when he met you, the first thing in his mind is, what could I do to help you? And my grand, my father had that same mentality. And so that has bled down to us as well. But yeah, you, you are a, uh, I mean, what a, I, I, I'm, I have chills thinking about it now of what, I mean, how to take care of a fellow man other than not only allowing them to have the opportunity to be, accountable for what they did, but then turn around and give them a gift they didn't expect to have. I mean, isn't that absolutely the way that Christ's relationship is? Absolutely. Uh, as we uh, hit the home stretch here, we're visiting with, with Scott Klein, and we've been talking about the legacy of his his grandfather, uh, Neb Klein, uh, and, and talking a lot about the book that Don Kirkland wrote that was released back in 2001 uh, about Neb Klein called Making the Best of It. And, and of course, he died about a year or so later but left a, a legacy that still goes on today at Klein Hosen Hydraulic. And, and to that end, um, you know, it's one thing to talk the talk, but it's another thing to walk the talk. And, and I would love for you, if you don't mind, to share what you've done with the company as, as far as setting it up to continue on, not just your grandfather's legacy, but to do what you can through the company to share Christ. Um, and my grandfather did a great job of, of showing us, you know, it's always better, you know, if you want to really show somebody, I mean, teach somebody something, you show them, you don't tell them. And he definitely made very true of that. Um, one of the other big statements that my grandfather used to mention a lot is I'd rather have the customer's graces than their money. And so that's something we take heart to here. There's many times that, you know, we may not have done anything wrong, but the customer is upset. And we absolutely will, will, will be on the customer side and help them out. Um, rather it be a vendor, an, an employee or a co-worker, I mean, or, a, a, a customer, we continue to live the biblical principle of treat them as, you know, love them as your neighbor. And we continue to strive that through our company. Now we have a committee called Klein Cares that works with many organizations here in town, um, as well as Connie Maxwell, that we're able to give back every year to Connie Maxwell. Um, and yes, in the early years, we didn't have the time. We weren't, you know, God, we didn't have the money to do it then. And so now being able to show where, see where God is leading us to do that. We try to continue to do that today. Um, we, again, like you said, Dan, we try to, we try to walk it and we don't do a lot of, you know, I don't stand on a, on a soapbox and, and 
talk about, you know, preach to everybody. My brother and I, the way that God has shown us. And so that is something we continue to strive to do today in our organization. And we have been blessed unbelievably um, with the people we've been able to work with each and every day that have, we, you know, everything's kind of, it's, it's kind of like a, I don't want to call it, it's a pyramid because, or, or as I would probably the better term would be, is kind of a champagne waterfall. We've been able to see so many people that have come out of our cust- out of our company and customers that have been able to pour into other people for the kingdom of God. And that to me has really been what the what my grandfather showed us from day one is you pour into people and they pour into each other and God's kingdom continues to grow through that. And so that's something we continue to follow through what he led us to do many, many years ago. And that's I guess in a nutshell, what I'm I'm hoping that people take out of this interview is that despite your beginnings, d- despite whatever challenges you might be facing, and, and your grandfather was orphaned, and, and you know we we've been through the whole story. Despite that, God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and, and nothing catches him by surprise. David Jeremiah said not too long ago, "Has it ever occurred to you?" that nothing occurs to God, you know? So, so, so he knew what your grandfather's life was going to be like before he was born, just like he knew where this company was going to be, just like he knew that you were going to be sitting in that chair talking to me today. And, and what I hope people get out of this is the fact that if you follow those biblical principles, there's a reward waiting for you. And it may not be a reward here, but man, there's a reward waiting for all of us someday. Amen to that, Dan. I, the, the reward, it took me a while for the longest time because as a young man trying to run the business and, you know, a lot of times as we get into it, it ends up being that, you know, success is driven by a dollar. Mm-hmm. But I had to finally relent and, and I would say, all right, guys, you're the CEO of this company and you continue to run it the way you want to run it. But yet I'm the one that holds the chains and holds the locks. And God had to break me from that several years ago. And when he did, oh my gosh, what a freeing experience of being able to operate. And to, I, I, I'm just here being a steward of what he wants us to do. He's driving this ship. And what I, I can't imagine the freeing of how, how in the world I did it before, Dan. I really don't understand it. And God sometimes has to break us into that point. And you're right. It, it's a, um, it has been a, an incredible walk, as a lot of us have been able to see. If you let God do it, that's the biggest part is letting him do it, not forcing him to do what you want. And uh, I've been shown that. So I'm very thankful for that. And I told Scott earlier this week that I thought that was just a great way to end our time together. The only thing that we can ask in this life really is to ultimately leave the kind of legacy or something even approaching the legacy that Neb Klein left. And it's not because that he became financially super successful and and gave probably millions of dollars away over the course of his life, which he did, but it's the legacy of a life surrendered to Christ, a humble life, and basically saying, Lord, here I am, use me. And even more than 20 years after his death, that legacy is still carrying on and Neb Klein's impact is still being felt. Scott Klein, thank you again so much for your time on this week's episode. We'll take a break, come back, and uh, tell you that exciting news we have about the future of the Dan Scott Show. All that's just ahead right after this. Every day there are children who leave school on Friday and eat little and sometimes nothing until they come back to school on Monday. It happens in every community, including yours. Many of these children live in circumstances that deprive them of basic needs necessary for a quality life. At Grand Slam Ministries, we want to change that. We want to invest in our children, giving them hope for the future. That investment includes necessities such as food, clothing, school supplies, and a safe environment to play, to study, to live. Please visit our website, grandslamministries.org, to find out more about our ministry and how you can help. We're just getting started. Will you come alongside us for the children's sake? 
Again, that's GrandSlamMinistries.org. Like what you hear? Have a question or comment? Maybe a guest suggestion? Drop us an email and let us know. Dan at DanScottShow.org. And now, back to the Dan Scott Show, presented by Grand Slam Ministries. Back for the final segment of this 40th episode of the Dan Scott Show. Again, thanks to Scott Klein for sharing the memories and the legacy of his grandfather, Neb. And just continuing to to marvel and, and to think as a follower of Christ, could any of us ask anything more out of our lives than to have a legacy that 20 plus years after we are gone... And, and Neb Klein died in 2002, 20-plus years after we're gone, that a life lived serving Christ in humility is continuing to impact people even today. That's the kind of life that I want to live, and, and i got a long way to go. I'm working to get there, but who, who could ask for a better legacy than that? Scott, thank you again for joining us. All right, I have made you folks wait long enough for the big announcement. And if you've been paying attention over the last few weeks, it probably doesn't come as much of a surprise. But as you know, we are losing our flagship station, 94.5 FM, the answer, WGTK, the 100,000-watt flamethrower that booms into four states based out of Greenville, South Carolina. The station has been sold. Our last program there will be in two weeks on October the 22nd. When I got that phone call from my buddy Craig DeBolt uh, about a month ago, my first reaction was, okay, God, what are you up to? Because you opened so many doors to get this done and get us on this station. What are you doing and where are we going? Well, he had a plan from the very beginning that included this what looked like a bump in the road, but really it's just another major door opening for the show and for Grand Slam Ministries. Because over the course of the last few weeks, I have been having some conversations with really multiple people, but contacts that I've had in the business over the last number of years. And uh, to that end, earlier this week, we signed the paperwork to add the Life FM Network to the Dan Scott Show family. And what that means is with the stroke of a pen, beginning on the weekend of November 4th and 5th, we just added 22 over-the-air radio stations to this show. And uh, we're talking about not only the upstate of South Carolina, but markets like uh, Indianapolis, Chicago, St. Louis, Springfield, Massachusetts, um, elsewhere in Tennessee, Alabama. They, They are just all over the place. It's a music station, but they do different things on Saturday morning, and we will be part of their Saturday morning lineup, 7 to 8 a.m. local time in every market, all 22 stations, beginning on Saturday, November the 4th. God had a plan from the very beginning. He has now exploded this thing much more quickly and beyond what we thought was possible, but that's because we have these these finite human minds. We don't have the infinite wisdom of God the Creator. Just praise Him for what He's done. Looking forward to adding uh, the Life FM network to the show starting on the weekend of November the 4th and 5th. Nothing else changes. All of our other affiliates will be doing what they do, carrying the show on Sundays. And to that end... We've got a couple of really, really good interviews coming down the pike that we're saving for that weekend. A lot of good stuff happening. All praise goes to Christ. We'll see you again next week. Until then, I'm Dan. God bless you. So long, everybody.